0: There are some curries that will disappoint you, but today on Curry Talk, we'll talk about a curry that won't disappoint you, not Steph Curry, in fact, Red Curry. Hawkins, once again, I have hit it out of the park with my lunchtime choices and my culinary skills. This red curry I'm eating right now is absolutely delicious, and I guess it's also time for Shake Them Ropes again. Hi, everyone. I'm I'm Chris. He's Jeff. How's it going, Jeff?
1: Hi, Chris. Um, Yeah, so uh, we've had a day. We've recorded an episode of Shake Them Ropes. Half of our audio got out there. Um, I woke up this morning to find out that uh, <laughs> that things on the internet that were said about me that aren't true, which is always nice. I'd like to kind of address that now. Um, let's see. back in around, I would say 2012, maybe 2013 or 14. Who knows? I didn't look at the date of these posts. I went back while I was working at my old firm. I started hanging out on my old hangout of Rex Sport Pro Wrestling over on Google Groups. Well, um, talking wrestling. Occasionally, there was political talk because there's a buddy of mine who was a black conservative. Who uh, another user would you call an Uncle Tom? And when you see your friends getting attacked, you you stand up for them. Well, this one guy decided he was going to clone my email address and then write. All sorts of nasty things and then sign my full name to them and say, look, Jeff Hawkins said this because he signed his name, Jeff Hawkins, and it's his email address. Look, guys, look at the racist. Look at
0: him. Yeah, yeah. And the the implication here, it's a bit of like an ipso facto sort of argument where it's like. Well, you know, Jeff is a conservative, as you were saying before. You, you have your black conservative friend. You guys were talking about stuff on Twitter here. And this person would argue in, in defense of writing these completely erroneous and fabricated posts. Well, this is the sort of stuff that Jeff might say, uh, but, but it doesn't necessarily follow. Just, just because there are things someone might say doesn't mean that they said that.
1: And so about every few years or so, somebody decides that they're going to Google whack the, the word crap game 13, which is what I've admittedly used for a lot of my message boards and things like that. Cause it's something I can remember probably a mistake in hindsight. I get that, but I'm going to say this to you now. I've never written anything as stupid as America needs to be an all white nation. I've never said F off N word. Um, those aren't things I would post on the internet knowing that the internet is forever. I had this investigated by my former firm's IT department who then said, nope, this wasn't him. But every few years or so, somebody just decides that they don't like me and they're going to go and they're going to try and ruin my life. So that's what happened here. Um, I don't think I've ever really talked about my politics, but Chris and I have had some knockdown dragouts off the air well both both of us yeah they they
0: get they get heated yes. Let, let's just we'll, we'll we'll leave it at that we've both been rather hot there's been some hanging up of the phones we don't agree we are politically we, divergent we are
1: divergent on those but we are still friends and you can do that in this day and age but i've never talked about my politics here because it doesn't matter I'm a wrestling fan.
0: No, right. That's like honestly, it's I guess in a way I, I've always sort of looked at what we do on Shake the Ropes. It's purely a wrestling show. I suppose there's, there's a some socio political stuff here,
1: but I mean we we deal yes, with the yeah, Jim yeah, Cornette sure. stuff, and it's like. Gee, did I come off as a raging hood wearing?
0: <laughs> no. Did you come off as the type of person who would make the type of things that are being alleged about you now? Because otherwise we would have had some sort of weird debate about whether oh that was OK on some level or not. And I would have been yelling at you on the air about it because, you know, how I feel on that matter.
1: I was going to say I was going to say the one thing I kind of hemmed and hawed about. And this was something I brought up on the now lost episode of Shake Them Ropes. I kind of I kind of gave Mauro Ronaldo's mental condition the short shrift because I thought there might be a little drama attached to it. But you and I both watched this week uh, Bipolar Rock and Roller. And look, I... What an
0: amazing documentary I am, that is. I am
1: going to, you know, if I even thought that Mauro might be playing this up for effect, I am apologizing right now. If I came across that way at all on the air, I've been... Kind of in his manic situation, I've been on both antidepressants and antipsychotics in the past. I am no longer on those. I have treated my condition quite well. But at the same time, if it sounded like I was trying to say, well, do you think Morrow's kind of playing this up for effects or to get out of his contract or something? Completely apologize for that if you thought that's how I was coming across. And I thought I might have been. But as for this, this is just character assassination, pure and simple. I apologize if anybody's been, I guess, exposed to it would be the right word to it.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, like, I, they're obviously offensive comments, but they're, like, not by your hand. So you don't need to apologize for friggin' anything in this case. Um, and And if anything, I guess what I would say to the person who is doing this is, if you think you're helping... Advance your own political goals or your own political aims by doing this. You're not. You're you're setting them back. Being a bad steward of your own political ideology is the single best way to set back your own political advances. I will,
1: I will put this out there. If you no longer wish to listen to me because you have now found out that I am ideologically opposed to you, I understand that. I hope we can be friends again someday, but I understand if you no longer want to listen to this because you view me, I don't know, low character or whatever. You want to do that? That's fine. I'm fine. I love my listeners.
0: I guess I have a problem with that then. If you're not going to have a problem with that, I have a problem with that because the whole point of this show, and this is, uh, we got sidetracked here, but this to me is an important subtext of the show, which is, it's the idea that. It doesn't necessarily matter your political persuasion. You can just come and enjoy wrestling. And I guess even more, there is this subtextual theme of the show of liberals and conservatives living together in (laughs) harmony and just enjoying a thing. Isn't it nice? Uh, Jeff and I are totally the the flower holding types to to bring this message of peace to the new millennium. Yeah,
1: I know. It, It was just one of those days where I woke up with like 30 Twitter mentions and I'm like, I know I didn't. I, I just basically said I didn't like the Irishman last night. And then all of a
0: sudden. Well, this is, that's where you get in trouble. But, that
1: was, but none of them were about that. I retweeted a uh, Ben Miller who used to write for figure four, but you know, about every four months, somebody tries to destroy my life, which is always fun. Somebody did on the figure four board as well. You just kind of go, you know what? I'm kind of tired of it, but you get through it, but we're for grabs talk. We are not going to go through. I kind of, we kind of went through character building in terms of comic books in the mid nineties and characters made dark and things like that. And going and camp and AEW and WWE, but Chris is kind of, I kind of want
0: to hit on, uh, let's hit on a couple of those Yeah, Because the TV reviews
1: aren't that important. We'll go over, we'll go over the high points of NXT UK, which we both loved, especially the contract signing and a little bit about NXT, but let's go over that just a little bit. Um, Absolutely. You know, in the mid '90s, there was this thing to make comics cool again and stuff. We'd make heroes not necessarily heroic. We'd give them an edge. We'd give them a dark costume and stuff. And that seems to be going. You know, Dakota Kai and 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 Bailey's heel turn have made them darker characters. Over on AEW, you have the Nightmare Collective. You have the Dark Order. You have the Blade, the Bunny, and the Butcher or the monocle, the mask, and the mall, whichever you want to call your alliteration things. Um, but it, it, you know. But you were bringing up just camp in general because of the Jurassic Express. And it's like, there aren't there b-
0: Well, I think you can look at the Dark Order as campy as well. I mean, there's the dog food all over the Roman Reigns. Ro- yes. I don't know how you define that as anything other than campy. Yes,
1: the, the, the dog food on Roman Reigns and, and how Vince Fields' builds are kind of... Like, he finds that the grown-up builds are things about... Women slit cheating on other men, which isn't necessarily layered. It's not camp, but it's also just poor. It's, it's porn writing for the most part. For the, but yeah, we were talking about character development and things like that. Um, which part did you want to hit on the most? The Jurassic Express point that you had? Yeah, okay.
0: like I, I mean, the Jurassic Express, I think, is a good example of kind of the camp level. And, and I think even the Jericho promo, Jericho's promos, they are fun he is a compelling character they have gotten into fart sniffing territory where they go on a little long he's always referencing stuff that he did four or five years ago on that other company and this is a big AEW problem quit mentioning the other company because people are reminded of it the more you mention it and more importantly it's not like I live in a world where WWE doesn't exist but when I'm in AEW world I need to just be in AEW world and sometimes Jericho and and his references to other work, uh, it it ends up kind of taking me out of that world. But to kind of get back to the Jungle Express here, the Jurassic Express, it's Luchasaurus... Coming in and doing jokey stuff about how he's got a master's degree in medieval history and how he's bucking stereotypes against dinosaurs. Just book the guy like he's a Tyrannosaurus. I'm not saying like make him, you know, have like little T Rex arms or whatever. I'm saying have him tossing people around. Luchasaurus should be one and a half times the wrestler of the average wrestler in AEW. (laughs)
1: I just I love the thought of the guy with uh there's something you said in there Just yeah talking dinosaur why not um yeah I'll uh I I guess I, I I like the jungle boy build though of he hasn't won a match yet so they're gonna have this big match against the champ and it's a very old school thing that you do I just don't know if it works in this day and age because they've done this with uh, in the other company with Cedric Alexander, now Humberto Carrillo, and it's like, you are to have a...
0: The coming up short build. Yeah. I, I So, like, I'm with you. I like the beat the clock challenge. I thought that, narratively, there were a couple of things that fell flat with the Jericho and Jungle Boy promo. One, Jericho keeps going, you never say anything, Jungle Boy. You're mute. Whatever comes out of Jungle Boy's mouth right there, even if it's not the first time we've heard him speak, even if it's not the greatest, heftiest promo in the world. Whatever comes out of Jungle Boy's mouth right there in that moment doesn't need to be long, but it does need to be memorable. And I can't remember what Jungle Boy's response was to Jericho, and I watched this a couple hours ago, I guess a few hours ago now that we've taped Shake Them Ropes once. But, like, it's just, it's not top of mind. It's not memorable. And I also thought they could have done a better job really hitting over the idea that a win for jungle boy here is going to be making it 10 minutes. And I, and I think they will clean it up next week and the week after and really make sure to hit that point. But I thought that that could have been hit a little more tightly during this promo.
1: Yeah, no, I, I would agree. Um, you know, just even slapping, I mean, which he did basically, I think he said a few words before that. I think, maybe uttered a main event swear word, who knows. But, uh, you know, it's it's good. It's just one of those things where we'll have to see and, and wait. And, uh, you know, what they do in the aftermath, I think is going to really determine his build. Because, I mean, they've already blown Adam Page in a way. The vice presidents aren't building themselves as
0: stars, which is so weird to me. Um, Cody's character is very weird. I, I, I find him flummoxing as the people's patrician. And and I kind of think that the big mistake that AEW made, one, it's you know, trying to utilize the vice presidents in, in a savvy way, but then also not keeping MJF a long-term babyface who everyone's waiting for the shoe to drop on him becoming a heel. And, and the twist here has to be, that time and again, when you think MJF is finally going to go heal, he doesn't. I think they should be building right now. I mean, they can't. The ship has already sailed. But they should be building to MJF versus Jericho. And we really get into this sort of hammy... MJF as the face sort of angle, even start to buy into him a little bit as a person and emotionally invest in him. And then you turn the knife. Then you have him stab Cody in the back. I, I think that they they shot their load too fast on MJF. Maybe
1: he fails and then, then backstabs Cody so that Cody can never get another title shot. So he jumps ahead of the line, something like that. Yeah, no, I, I liked that idea a lot. But again, water under the bridge. Yeah, sure. As this is a truncated version now of Shake Them Ropes, let's just go through uh, NXT UK and NXT and uh, go home.
0: Absolutely. Okay, so I really enjoyed NXT UK this week, Uh, the opening match here with Tony Storm and Killer Kelly. Nothing to write home about. Uh, The question that you and I were kind of tossing around earlier is, are... They turning Tony Storm heel, or is she just going into a tweener status so they can do the patented NXT triple threat special?
1: She's the edgy champion, still a baby face, but determined to be the belt. So, or determined to get the title. So she doesn't need friends anymore. It, it's very alpha to me, more than heel turn. But you know, I'll, I'll, I'll entertain a heel turn.
0: Yeah, I think it's. I mean, maybe they're just leaving themselves with open options. She came out in all black this week. Uh, I mean, but she did wrestle Killer Kelly for whatever wrestling Killer Kelly is worth this point. Uh, but then, you know, she slaps away Piper Niven's hand. Piper feels like such a solid baby face that any sort of engagement with Piper that's negative is going to come off as kind of heelish. I don't know. I could see a world where Kaylee Ray ends up turning Tony Storm, although we are seeing that on the main roster. It's, but. Now that I say that out loud, it, it seems to be more the trend that if you see it on the main roster, you're more likely to see it in other places. Uh duplication is actually viewed as maybe a a virtue and not a vice. You know, I,
1: I don't want tension though. All, all I want is Tony to be a professional here and just say, hey, look, if we're in a match together, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to fight you. But it doesn't need to be the, you know, they love in both companies doing these shaking hands. You know, as if it's a show of respect and then pulling in someone real tired. Ooh, you know, and it's like, I don't need that. I don't need the melodrama. I just need both to be competent, nice people who are friends, but they have diverging interests. That's all.
0: Then these next two matches, we had a lot to say about them earlier. I think I still got a lot to say about them because, one, I enjoyed both these matches, but two... They both were they're interesting. So let's let's start with the hunt here. So the hunt faced the outliers, who are Riddick Moss and or Riddick Moss and the now rebranded Dan Matha, who is known as Dorian Mack M A K. No sense. Where are they getting? Where do they get these there, names There, there these has names to be a so, name generator so and like a yeah, thing. there has to be. I swear they have a they have an app that is crapping these things out. They're so bad. But they
1: they, uh, they debuted the outliers without Robbie E, who's going by. Robert Strauss I think is the name that he's going by as a manager so it's not really the package that's been getting worked out it's kind of like well we're going to introduce them here on NXT UK and then we have this match where they basically work over the hunt but then the hunt wins and you're like okay that's a debut it's a typical NXT debut um
0: so I viewed this as a hunt build enhancement okay. match, or at least that's how it immediately scanned when I saw it was coming on my screen. It was like, oh, okay, we're building back up the hunt. And, they, and I thought they needed to get over some bigger guys, and we needed to show that the hunt... To me, the story of the match was we needed to show that The Hunt can overcome a size differential just by their sheer intensity. So, to that effect, I thought there were some things in some parts of this match that were done very well. For example, I love Prime AJ Melrose. I think that his babyface fire is great. I love when he's slapping the ground and doing the clotheslines into the corner. I think he's got great intensity. He's got a good drop kick too. Like Babyface J-, uh, baby J-, J Melrose. Prime AJ Melrose uh, in very much not a baby face a lot of beard there he's a baby Uh, gorilla he's a cute little baby gorilla (laughs) I want to cheer for him. I want to hug him and, and, and I want him to win the belt. Uh Jay Melrose, though, he, he's got great fire. Um we were noting earlier that Mike Hitchman towards the end of this, after the umpteenth time that they had to jump <laughs> off of the top rope Get with their winded. headbutts, just a little winded. Get a little gassed. Now that being said, earlier in the match, I need Mike Hitchman to do a few things. He is the guy who should be who they should be getting the heat on. But this has to be done a little bit differently with this team because they're undersized baby faces. I think what we need to be getting over is that the hunt is very intense. Um, That Mike Hitchman will clubber you, he will bite at you, he will scratch your back, he'll rake your eyes, he'll do all sorts of things, but the bigger guys need to realize at some point okay, just because we're bigger doesn't mean we can actually compensate for this guy's intensity, so we need to cheat. So we see Hitchman at a disadvantage, getting cornered. Riddick Moss has to trip him because Hitchman's still somehow getting the edge on Dan Matha, Dorian Mack. I I, I think that part of what was missing was that, and the other part is just a general pacing thing and a little more chaos. The Hunt need to act like at some point during their match, they're hunting their opponents. Their opponent's to be kind of running away, a little scared. One guy gets isolated by the boar and the primate and gets pinned down outside of the ring or something like that, and, and his teammate's not able to make the save. We need to have a moment in each match in the enhancement matches where the enhancement talent feels palpable fear. And that was something that I thought was missing from this Yeah, match. and for
1: me, it's when you're getting heat on, on Hitchman, I, I think it needs to be you know, continuation of the gimmick. You need the wounded animal thing because wounded animals bite and claw and will attack you harsh if, they, if they're in fear and you can still beat him down, but he needs to have that occasional, you know, rake to the eyes, rake to the back, biting something to escape. He crawls over to try and get the tag, but he's pulled back by the corner type thing. You know, the, just those little types. of. He things. needs to be a
0: handful. Yes.
1: He still needs to be fighting and fighting and fighting, even though he's getting beat down. because of his size. He's the perfect guy to get the heat on on this team. Agree with you. Sorry, completely. But yeah, no, I I enjoyed this match for what it was. You know, four headbutts in a row. (laughs) It's starting to get winded there, my man.
0: The close of this match was who yeah I mean like whatever problems I had with the rest of the match and, and for his credit for his part Dan Matha, uh did a really nice choke slam backbreaker thing that looked really good um but yeah no they 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 worked I just think for especially to protect the bigger guys you really need the hunt going full steam it, it needs to be primal and the match needs to feel primal and less like the kind of choreographed or kind of paced strategically WWE match. I think with The Hunt, you have to shatter that template a little bit. Up next, we had Jordan Devlin versus A-Kid. And I got to tell you, this I I didn't see this storyline coalescing into this beat and and when I realized the story I was getting I, I was very very narratively satisfied so for the last few weeks here we've been building up a kid he had the match against Jack Stars that he won then he won the count out victory against Cassius Ono Tyler Bate has come and said, I like A-Kid. A-Kid's the future. He's my friend. I, I support this guy. And You're kind of like, why is Bate aligned with, the- with A-Kid? And it makes sense now because A-Kid's going to have this match against Jordan Devlin and Jordan Devlin is going to use A-Kid kind of like the way uh, Dolph Lundgren's character in Rocky 4 uses Apollo Creed <laughs> to send a message to Rocky. If he dies like, he dies. He just, yeah. If he dies he dies. Yeah. If I if I stretched his knee out, I stretched his knee out. I I loved this. I thought that the end of this match where Devlin is just contemptuously kicking a kid in the head. Um, you mentioned earlier Nigel and Nigel putting it over on commentary that Nigel and Tom for their part were really good and engaged throughout the entirety of this show, but particularly during this match, I, I loved everything in this match. I thought this is a really strong match. I
1: agree. I-, I really liked, uh, I liked the flexibility of a kid. I was very impressed with that. And yeah, the, 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 the touch that made it the match for me was, uh, even Nigel being kind of sickened by, by, uh, 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 god i can't remember his name all of a sudden
0: jordan devlin
1: jordan devlin's (laughs) offense and going wow he's being too brutal here maybe somebody needs to stop this i i in in rare moments it's good and especially for an undersized heel being devious like devlin it's really good and really effective as opposed to they love doing this with big guys they love saying, oh look at the carnage that this big guy is the six foot five guy is getting over the six foot four. This guy. was cruelty. Yes.
0: I loved the yes. cruelty. Yes. I-, I thought it was really, really well done. It's,
1: it's it's on that level of you know the secondary heel, or even you know sometimes the first like Ole Anderson, or or you know sometimes even Flair Blanchard would get into those types of things. So yeah, no, I really liked it.
0: After that, we went backstage and skipped ahead about two months in this Jazzy Gabbard and Ginny angle where. Now, Ginny is sort of openly throwing shade on Jazzy Gabbard. I I just... I, I don't... I mean, this is where the story has to go. I just think they're rushing it. Yeah,
1: no, I, I would agree. I, I think that, that ending look should have been more of confusion rather than anger that somebody touched her. But other than that, I liked the promo quite a
0: bit. Yeah, I think we were subtextually sending the message so well a week ago that her actually like wiping off her own arm just felt a little bit performative to me. Um, but then after that, on my television screen came something that got me pacing around the room. Working circles into the carpet, <laughs> up the stairs, down the stairs, pulling my hair out, jumping up and down, hanging on every moment. What could possibly be coming next? Why it is Joseph Connors versus Lagero versus Travis Banks. This is why I podcast on this network to talk about matches of this caliber. <laughs> and let me tell you something, Jeff. Let me tell you something, buddy. Yeah. You know what? This is actually an okay match. Uh, For for all of the shit that I have given Joseph Connors, Liguero, and Travis Banks, I actually really enjoyed this match.
1: I love this match, and what what made it for me was when uh, Connor started bleeding out of his nose. (laughs) It made made the match much more visceral
0: and... It needed to be messy. I I actually think that, yeah, Connors bleeding out of his nose... Also help kind of maybe save... like They didn't have a lot of choreographed spots in this match, which I think was a good thing. Uh, This match was about three people who have really gotten underneath each other's skin. Uh, The one thing I think that I I would have done is I would have had Cotters find a way to sneak the win off of that double backslide spot. I actually kind of liked that spot earlier in the match when Cotters just came in and sort of like almost pinned both of them. Um, I wouldn't have mind if he had found a way to do that at the tail end of the match. I
1: wish he'd stop talking in the ring. I wish he'd stop doing, you know, I'm worthy and, you know... um...
0: Like, where is this going? That's the thing I keep struggling with is you look at the main event picture and you look at even, like, the tag team picture. All the narrative right now on this show, all the oxygen in the room is rightly being taken up by this Gallus versus Imperium feud. So... What is Joseph Connors's play me, here? What title is he going well, to for? To me, it's
1: to get on takeover and then hopefully be crushed by a debuting babyface.
0: You know, a I star. think that's what it has to be. I think it yeah, has no, to be. I, I think that's that has to be that. Yeah, he and he says to that guy, they're not worthy, and he's in fact like the gatekeeper. I, I think maybe that is the the right way of putting it.
1: Well, they, I'll give you somebody that might be an idea. They're kind of writing off. Jack Gallagher on 205 Live, it might be him.
0: He would be interesting. Yeah. I think Jack Gallagher would be good. He's already been be on the good. show,
1: though, so it's one of those. Yeah, no,
0: things. but you know, you could always give him a fresh coat of paint by having him kick it with Tyler Bate. Mm-hmm. Everyone likes Tyler Bate, and if Jack Gallagher was Tyler Bate's new best buddy, I think people would be on board with that. Okay. After that, Cassius Ono. I liked this promo because this promo told us what is coming next with Cassius Ono, which is he is changing his wrestling style. We are now going to see the technical caches. Oh, no. So now, here's what I really want, Jeff. What I want is, yes, for him to issue all the striking stuff, but for him to try to do all the British technical wrestling... Not be very good at it, and just have to resort to cheating and low blows. a <laughs> <Becoming> Yato. <laughs> yes, a little bit, a little bit of uh, a little bit of Toriato. Yeah, yeah. I, actually, I, I wouldn't mind that. That's a heel move. I, I want
1: him to. I want him to go hard against British Strong Style and just go. You know what? I'm already showing you. I'm such a genius at British Strong Style. Tonight, I'm going to wrestle this match as a luchador. Or something like that, and just coming out and just really, just saying, "Nope, I'm not doing any of your British moves. I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do Triple A CMLL Lucha style tonight, or something to that effect, or just pick a style from a handbook or something to that effect. Something random. Wrestling genius has so many possibilities."
0: Next, we had one of my favorite contract signing angles in a very long time. And minus this little beat at the end of this, this was like spot on picture perfect. Sid Scala and Johnny Saint are down in the ring. Out comes Joe Coffey. Joe Coffey does a little mock of Imperium, gets the crowd at his back a little bit here. And I think that's important because this crowd likes Walter. And so Joe has to make sure that he is courting the baby face support to really make sure that that story gets told. And then Walter comes out and, and I just like you encapsulate this better than I could uh, the energy between Joe coffee and Walter. I really enjoyed it.
1: Joe is giving demands like, okay, you need to listen to me. I'm the one in charge. I'm I'm look, I, I want, I want a helicopter. I want a bag of money. I want a boat out to the coast. I want, and, and, and Walter's just in there calm, cool, collected. Okay, man, whatever. Sure, I'll give you that. Okay, I'll give you that. Just nothing phasing him at all to the point where I thought he was going to ask for everything from Joe. Like, I want to put you to put everything on the line, like your career or something, but Walter is just, okay, man, sure. Whatever. And Joe's almost like going, wait, I don't understand why Walter's not screaming right back at me. He, he almost was a little thrown off by that in character-wise, which I also loved. Ilya Dragunov comes out, I want a match with... With, uh, with with God, I'm I'm not remembering names. Obviously. Alexander Wolf, Alexander, Alexander
0: Wolf. Wolf, and this is what was interesting about this is Walter was very very insistent, yeah, about Wolf getting this match with Dragonoff. I I'm interested to see how the Imperium Gallus Dragonoff Angle ends up playing out and where Dragonoff ends up settling in at the end yeah. of all. Of this. I want a
1: tag team match, fine. I want I want my friend Ilya to get a match with Alexander Wolf. Okay, fine. And then and then you know Joe Coffey kind of gives the you know you know respect to Ilya and then just kind of walks off. And then the coda, which you didn't quite like.
0: No, I, I don't like this because the whole point here is Joe Coffey goes, I can't speak for Ilya Dragonoff, he doesn't run with us, he's his own man. There's a lot of Joe Coffey showing Ilya Dragonoff respect. Dragonoff comes out, Dragonoff does Joe Coffee a solid, gets Joe Coffee the title shot by agreeing to the match with Alexander Wolf. Joe Coffee leaves the ring, walks down the entryway, Ilya Dragonoff standing outside, looks over at Ilya Dragonoff, and they give each other the You're cool, bro. Like, like, alright, yeah, respect sort of look. And then afterwards, Walter launches the ambush on Ilya Dragonoff. And this is done. 10, 15, 20 seconds after Joe Coffey has walked back through the curtain. So I don't think that Gallus in total should have come down and made the save. I don't think that... Imperium should have been run off. I have no problem with Imperium getting the upper hand after this, but I do think that Joe Coffey needs to be back there and taking his lumps along with Ilya Dragunov, unless the long-term story here is to show why Ilya Dragunov is selling out Gallus. Yeah,
1: and it's kind of almost anticipating the reset from, from Gallus being cheered baby faces a little too quick for my liking.
0: Yeah, no, like, let us get into the idea of Joe Coffee as a babyface, in no small part, dude, because we had to cruise for several more weeks until this title yeah, match.
1: Yeah, it's, it's almost right before the Rumble, so, I mean, we have three or four weeks. We don't need to be saying, oh, man, you didn't have my back out there. Why is that?
0: Well, I mean... No, I need to be buying full into Joe Coffee. I I need to go into this title match... Enjoying cheering for Joe Coffee because he's entertaining, and you, you, you kind of just you're buying into and the especially guy, especially because you of you the like last that he time he likes his brother. Yeah, yeah. The last
1: time they fought, Walter just killed him. So I mean, kind yes, you right.
0: W- and I like that they played that up in the promo too. I, I like the sort of like the wraparound storyline angle here of Joe Coffee got humiliated by Walter, and I, and I think that they need to lean into that more. That that Coffee is trying to get his dignity back mm-hmm. and it's really important to yeah, him. Yeah, exactly. All right. So, let's get into NXT US. Uh what what notes do you want to hit on here?
1: Uh we'll just go go through it real quick. Uh Killian Dane should have crushed somebody else versus getting a win back over Pete Dunne. They should have just separated these two for a few weeks. Let it build. I can't them.
0: tell you what Killian Dane's character is still after all of this. He's just the big, burly, angry guy who likes beating up people. I mean, people. You, you
1: had your choices of just about anybody you could have brought out here for the surprise. I get you want to have a nice long match here, but, you know, Pete Dunne is at a certain level where he wants to be challenging for titles, and now you kind of have to. Put the brakes on that, as opposed to just continuing to, to build the anticipation. I, I really, it felt 50-50 to me.
0: Uh, next, we had the new rebranding of Kushida. He says, leave me alone. He's a family man, and his bark is much worse <laughs> than his bite. Uh, I get that. <laughs> you like that? I got that reference. Yeah, all right, cool. All right, you can go for that? Uh, you can do? You can do I. All right, so, yeah, all right, so... Anyways, um, I have a couple of problems with this. One, we have a little bit of the immigrant's tale thing, which I think gets into socio-political waters that are weird. You brought up earlier that it also kind of inverts the whole I'm going to make my dream elsewhere thing so it serves as like a WWE internal commentary about ever leaving this about company About the gaijins for who go to Japan. Yeah, about
1: Americans and Canadians and other non-Japanese wrestlers who go to Japan and then say how much they love it there and how better how the culture treats them better and all these other things. It's a weird weird mirror image commentary for me, especially given the, uh, you know, oh, my baby's here, and I got to spend time with my baby. (laughs) It's
0: like... All of that sort of scans to me like Ricky Steamboat in 1989, where his wife wants him out of wrestling, (laughs) and he cubs it on the white horse, and this all blows up on the promotion's face. Going back to what we were talking about earlier with characterization, why did Ricky Steamboat in 88 or 89 against Flair kind of blow up on Dusty, because people weren't into, for whatever reason, we can you know talk about the decline of Western civilization a little bit later on, people were not into the idea of family man Ricky steamboat. They were more into the idea of eats a really good steak dinner every night and parties with the women, Ric Flair.
1: Yeah, straight ahead, good guys are tough. But, I mean, th- there was also that notion that Ricky wasn't... Uh, I mean, Ricky had a couple of moments in there, like when he tore off flares, clothes, and things like that. But um, Ricky also was listening to his wife and <laughs> didn't want to wrestle much longer uh, because it was breaking up his family at the time. So you had that kind of issue going as well. But yeah, it's an interesting thing. I just wish they'd get rid of the Back to the Future time splitter stuff, to be honest with
0: you. Oh, me. it's got to go, especially now that you've made him a dad. It just, the whole, oh, he's a dad, just- It doesn't work with he transcends time and he's sort of ageless. Dad does not sound ageless. Let's put it that way. The Forgotten Sons murdered Leon Roth and (laughs) uh, his tag team partner Adrian Atlantis served as a witness. Uh, I got to say this. I don't have much to say about the match other than we talked about this the first time. I had completely forgotten about the gratuitous choke slam to the apron to the outside spot. Until you reminded me of it. And otherwise, I would have forgotten about it. And I bet you two weeks from now, I won't remember it. And, and I think that it is crazy for Leon Ruff to be taking bumps off of his bump card, uh, several bumps off of his bump card, for spots that simply won't be remembered.
1: Just choke slam him in the ring. Not on the edge of the apron either, which also, I mean, that was the other part. It wasn't. Just do your damn finishing move to Yeah, him.
0: Get your finishing move over. Yeah,
1: that, that's all they need to do.
0: Dakota Kai versus Rhea Ripley never started uh, because Rhea Ripley gets attacked. I'm sorry, no, because Mia Yim comes out and attacks Dakota Kai. I actually like this. I like that like Rhea Ripley set up Dakota Kai, and then there was a setup behind the setup. I kind of liked all of that stuff. The
1: phrasing was bad. The, 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 fr- yes. the phrasing was absolutely atrocious. But yeah, no, I, I don't mind this, and I don't mind that... Uh, Did Dakota get pinned or did she get out of there? I forgot.
0: It never started. Never started. Yeah, Yeah, no, she needs needs to get
1: out of there. I like that she, I like that she threw the knee brace at her. That's that's a weird, cool, vicious thing. And yeah, no, I'm looking forward to this feud. Uh,
0: To wind it back real quickly here, Shayna Baszler versus Zia Lee. There were a few missteps in this match. One, I think that when Ziya Lee is facing someone like Shayna Baszler, particularly this type of match. Shayna Baszler needs to be taking some of these kicks from Xia Lee and bumping all over the place, Mr. Perfect style, in and out of the ring. Uh, These kicks are connecting with so much power that is sending her tumbling over the ropes in a believable way. Xia Lee needs to give chase because she starts to realize that, yes, her kicks are powerful, and yes, they're knocking Shayna Baszler around, but every time she's knocking Shayna Baszler around, she's giving Shayna time to regroup and moving her out of position, and then eventually that needs to get Xia Li into trouble. I, I think the big mistake in the booking of this match was focusing on Xia Lee's arm. The problem was twofold. One, it doesn't make a lot of sense for Shayna Baszler to be going after Xia Lee's arm because Shayna Baszler, of all people, who's a strategic fighter, knows that Xia Lee's offense hinges upon martial arts style kicks. Uh, the, the second part of it is you need to be going after the legs. Like Zia uh, Lee Li doesn't do any offense through the arms, so it was tricky for her to sell it. And instead, in order to sell it, she had to go back to her horrible, horrible palm strikes, which should be illegal in at least twenty states. For
1: me, it was the dance fight choreography, where you know you sweep the leg, she jumps, and then she ducks over a high kick, and then you know, and you turn around, you grab the arm, arm bar you know that those types of things. There weren't enough kicks. Have her, I, I will say that have her be brutal. Have Shayna think she bit off too much that she could chew Shayna pulls a, a zabisco stalls a bit and then through the stalling eventually gets the upper hand um i did like the beat down afterwards and i like the beat down of rhea afterwards i think you need to take her down a peg because she's a little bit too powerful after that war games
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think with Rhea Ripley, the important part of characterization, let's see if they stick with it, is the idea that Rhea's greatest asset, and also the thing that makes her a heel, uh, but really one of her defining traits, is overconfidence. Confidence bordering on overconfidence, overconfidence bordering on ego, kind of yeah. flirting in between those things. Rhea Ripley needs to always come off as having an elevated sense of self. That's what her intro or her entrance gives off that vibe. And that needs to be moving through the character at all and times. And that also so, that also no, ties like that. in
1: her Baby face persona with her heel persona as well, which makes it...
0: Cool. I agree. Yeah. yeah. It becomes a nice little through line. It also gives you a nice little pivot point for when she becomes a heel again. If you want to make her a heel again, you you have that ego start to take over. That overconfidence moves into just pure ego. Next, we had Matt Riddle versus Cassius Ono. I, I was confused why we were doing this match again.
1: <laughs> uh, to reintroduce Ono, I think, because he's going to be basically the UK representative, or at least for now, they, they want to do the promo about when worlds collide. Cause there's not going to be a takeover until February.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. It's true. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. So they had to get that in somehow. You know, sure. I mean, look, sure. We, we
1: both saw the evolve Ono versus, uh, I think
0: Ono needed to win that match by count-out, though, which also would have been a nice way for him to get back that count-out loss to A-Kid. Like For him to be able to finally, quote-unquote, have one up on Matt Riddle, and he starts gloating about how he's now 3-1 against Matt Riddle but any day he's going to even up the odds. He wants a best-of-seven against Riddle um, because he's 3-1 now. Uh, I I think, yeah, there, there are opportunities. Kushida has a match against Cameron Grimes, this was a little bit perplexing to me for a couple of reasons. One, I didn't realize that you could attack someone on the way <laughs> of the ring, go, hit my music, they hit your music, and then it's a match. And I will give commentary credit. They did a nice job sort of selling the absurdity of this situation. But I also found this a bit flummoxing because just last week we had the repackage of Cameron Grimes. And Cameron Grimes, it felt like they were building him. So it was weird to have him lose to Kushida right here. Don't have a problem with Kushida getting a win. I just am surprised that Cameron Grimes got the loss.
1: Yeah, I, I think they're going to basically do kind of the over overconfident heel thing where I wasn't ready type of thing and he'll get another match and he'll be more competitive the next time. Maybe he steals a win with Kushida. Maybe even,
0: yeah, he steals the win. Yeah, yeah. and then they oh, go yeah, back and This forth. could be the start of a series. Yeah, I, yeah. I can see
1: that. Um, loved Kushida's Play to the back, mouth agape. I can't believe he did that to Raul Mendoza. Type of look. That's Raul Mendoza. You can't. You you can't just do He's that. A to favorite Raul of Mendoza. shake them ropes. How dare he do that? No, I I liked that for what it was. It, it gave. of uh, Kashida's issue also as is he just hasn't been showing a lot of emotion of, of late. They kind of play him as kind of a little bit of a um sadistic baby face, you know, with the small joint manipulation and things like that. So I, yeah, I, sure, I dug sure. that. Um, but yeah, no, I like Cameron Grimes a lot. I'm looking forward to them having a much longer competitive match.
0: And then let's close it out by sort of discussing the state of the undisputed era and this main event with Keith Lee, Tommaso Ciampa and Dominic Dijakovic. So, I think coming out of War Games, not enough has been made of the setbacks that the Undisputed yes. Era had. Yes, they were quote unquote successful in the brand warfare, the all important brand warfare that you've now forgotten about two weeks later. But they came up short at War Games in, in that match, and that's a problem. They should be acting a little bit like the insecure, territorially insecure animal peeing and marking all over the place, making sure to leave your mark on the walls, so to speak. They should be on crutches.
1: They should have bandages. Bobby Fish should be in a body cast getting wheeled around at this point. And (laughs) they should
0: be talking about the setback of Bobby Fish. That really should have been a major sticking point this week and and even more of a point of insecurity. I also think that, you know, at, at the end of the day... Finn Balor, especially given the injury to Bobby Fish, should just be part of the Undisputed Era to keep the continuity of the four guys going.
1: Yeah, I, it's it's one of those things where you want to see the reset of the Undisputed Era as crafty using the faction to their advantage type of thing to get revenge on this humiliating defeat that they just had and instead they're coming out cocky saying we are the NXT, we want a survivor series. I understand that thinking, but at the same time, I think play the undisputed era within the NXT universe versus the main roster universe, so to speak. And just just have them go, "Hey, Okay, we're the bad guys. We got defeated. Let's regroup. What's our next plan gonna be? Rather than just continually coming out and going, we're the best, we're the best, we're the best. Look at us. We have all the gold. I mean, you go, hey, we have all the gold for a reason, and then you you kind of build the story on there and give it a few more layers. Um lastly, the the image of of Keith Lee coming out, out of the depths of the ocean to choke slam Finn Balor. You were not a fan. I was more of a fan. I like this build
0: of Keith Lee. They're getting very dependent on the gifs, yes. Jeff. Yes, I like know. it's I it's know. their new gimmick for Keith Lee, and, and I think the the trick to being gif-able or gifable or what, however you want to pronounce it, I don't really care. Uh, the the trick is that you're not looking to do it now. What they're doing is Keith Lee's they're the guy them. who says them on that purpose. he's cool. Yeah. You can't say you're cool. You don't go around and going, I'm a cool dude. Chris and Bruno, He's a cool dude. Um that's not how you get cool. You you're cool. Tell me how you get you cool Chris, cool. please. I'm gonna tell you I, Jeff, <laughs> if you would just shut up for once, I'm gonna tell you how to finally be cool. <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, i've just missed it you're not gonna say it no come on
0: <laughs> no I, no i'm pissed off now i can't, can't share the can't share the pearls of wisdom
1: oh, oh, damn it now i'm just gonna have to be called a racist forever on on the internet um <laughs> that's okay
0: i still like you jeff that's all right
1: no i yeah, but but keep leading me is gonna be the guy who gets beat before the other guy who gets beat, before the guy who actually beats Adam Cole, I think. or
0: No, and I don't think there's any rush to get the belt no. off of Adam Cole. So I, I have no problem with Keith Lee coming up short, and then Di- Dominic Dijakovic coming up short, and then Tommaso Ciampa coming up short, and Gargano coming up short. I honestly have no problem with all four of them coming up short over the course of the next year. Because... Adam Cole is a great guy to have all of those people chase. And also, you can have the Undisputed Era lose the titles and build narratives around the idea that Adam Cole really thinks all of this is ultimately about him anyways. And, and the only way you're going to be able to do that is show the the rise and then the fall of the Undisputed Era. Uh, I do just think it's very important... One, to let them have setbacks because setbacks allow them to have bounce backs and, and they can have heelish bounce backs, but those heelish bounce back episodes are sometimes some of the best episodes of television.
1: We apologize for this episode being a bit truncated, but this is our second attempt at it of the day. You can follow me at Crap Game 13. You can follow him at Chris Novembrino. You can follow the show at Shake Them Ropes. Plug for me, I'm on Steve Kaufman's YouTube channel, Match. Uh, uh, Match Monday or match of the week Monday or something of that effect uh google it in you'll see me in all my uh all my glory talking things like Yano versus John moxley uh Chris also does a variety of podcasts as he has alluded to earlier uh Chris tell us about what you got this week
0: yeah okay so on Tuesday on this network here voice of wrestling uh, I believe we'll be out at nine pm central time that's definitely that's definitely a technical time you'll be able to hear me at nine pm on Uh, Music of the mat with Andrew Rich. We are talking about the WCW grab bag. And maybe, just maybe, you might hear my version of the American Males theme if you tune into that episode. Um, Over on Don't Worry About the Government this week, I take a deep and exhaustive look at Joe Rogan. I have watched a lot of episodes of Joe Rogan to put together a fairly lengthy episode of commentary on what I think about his show. So if you've ever wondered, what does Chris think about the Joe Rogan experience, you have an opportunity to get 90 minutes of that thought. Um, last but not least, the All in the Family podcast will be back. I keep saying that, but I swear to God, I intended to be true one of these weeks. Uh, by June 17th, not June 17th, December 17th, um, when there is another All in the Family special on ABC. You can, of course, follow me on Twitter at Chris Novembrino, And Jeff, of course, you can find on Twitter at Comfortably Smug. I'd say the best part about editing is looking out and seeing the smile on children's faces. Christopher Novembrino. Oh yes, I think so much has been lost in modern editing. I, I look back to the real pioneers of editing from the 60s and 70s, back when people had to edit with their hands. And it's just it's something that's lost in the craft today. Yeah, I'm calling in because you say you've edited hundreds of these shows, but they're all kind of lousy still, so what's up with that? Are you hey, an Hey, caller, 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 hey, stop talking for a second. Are you listening up? I'm not the idiot. You're the idiot. I disagree. I think you are. All I did was get one little end of one sound wave wrong, and it didn't line up with the other thing, and then everyone's telling me I'm not any good at this.